But that was the first time in my life that I ever felt disappointed in the Lord. And it was so painful. I couldn't stand it. I felt like the Lord kept saying, wait, just wait. And I was like, no, you don't understand. If I wait and you, I feel like you fail me at the very end of this wait, I think I will walk away from you forever. Ooh, this is a good one today. We are talking to my good friend, Miss Gina Duke. She is an award-winning author, speaker, strategy coach, and podcast host of The Gina Duke Show. She's amazing. She is the Christian author of Abingdon Press's book, Organizing Your Prayer Closet, that introduces the gift of structured prayer journaling. You're going to see in this episode just how much family means to Gina. She is an amazing wife to her wonderful husband, two daughters, and then she has five beautiful grandchildren. Gina's story is such a good one for those of us who have sometimes questioned God's faithfulness. Let's get into it. Hi, you are listening to the Finding Faith Above podcast. I'm Shelby Hosfield on a mission to help you find the love of Jesus after the church. Here's a hint, it's all about grace, girlfriend. Here we are pushing past the baggage of religion and discovering how to live our purpose through God's grace, not works. I spent years turning my back on him after leaving the church, but he never gives up on us. Here we are discovering what it means to be a Christian as an adult, as a mom, as someone just finding faith. This is Christian Living 101 for the baby Christian mama. How does our life, our mindset, family, business, everything change when we lay it all down and decide to walk with him? This is Sunday School mixed with the best coffee talk with your girlfriends. You are listening to Finding Faith Above. Hi, Gina. I am so happy you're here with us today. Hi, Shelby. Thank you for having me. Yes, I just love it. I'm love that you're here and I'm so excited to hear your story. So you are doing and I mean, just have so much going on for the Lord right now and working in such as just amazing ways on your podcast, the Gina Duke show, but I wanted to know, and I know all of our listeners want to know a little bit more about how you came to find that faith and what was the moment that, you know, brought you to Jesus. And, um, I guess let's start at the beginning where you grew up and how you came to find God. Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, I was raised in church. So my parents were raised at the same small country church. And if you can tell I'm from the Southeast portion of the United States. So it was a small church in Robertson County. And my story is kind of like your, your parents' story. So my mother got pregnant at 17 and so they got married. And so I was raised in this little general Baptist church way back in, in the boondocks. And I just always loved the Lord. And so when I um, came into salvation, I was 10 years old. It was the last day of vacation Bible school. And I just remember one of my friends going to the altar and I thought I'm going to go to the altar. So I never really felt like I had this realization like, oh, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. It was just, I always loved Jesus. Like I always did my Sunday school lesson. My, my mother didn't have to prod me to do it. Cause you know, back then they would send you this little booklet home and you take it back every Sunday and it had for the quarter, all your lessons. I always did my lessons. And uh, so I, I always loved the Lord. But when I was 13 years old, my parents stopped going to church. So they, uh, we had a new pastor come. They weren't really um, enjoying his preaching style. And I don't know why they didn't try to go to other churches, but they just quit going to church. 
and I was 13 at the time. And so for me, I thought, well, it's just another day to sleep late. You know, when you're a teenager and you just want to sleep all the time. And that's, so I was like, okay with it. But you know, what that, what happened is my parents actually went in a different direction, the opposite direction. And they just started partying. I don't know if, cause they missed out on that getting married so early and, you know, cause they were always super protective of me. You didn't miss church unless you were sick. And now they're like partying. Like my senior prom night, I got home before they did. So for those years, I had no, it was rare that I had any spiritual input. So it was just me and all my wisdom (laughs) and my girlfriend's wisdom. And I was doing everything I was big enough to do. And uh, so I was the big party girl. I love partying and uh, went on into college, joined a sorority. I'm partying all the time. I remember uh, the summer after my sophomore year, I went, I went to Western Kentucky University, but I had a lot of friends at the University of Kentucky. So in, in the summer, I'd go up there and stay and I'd party all summer. And I remember coming home and uh, right before, like I had a week to get back, move back into Western and I couldn't do it. I was literally spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically exhausted from my lifestyle. And I just, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the semester off. I mean, I literally could not muster up the energy to do it. And so I just remember looking at myself going, whoa, if I don't make some kind of change, I don't even think I'm going to turn out as well as my parents have in life. And uh, cause I was changing my major all the time. I was on academic probation a lot. And um, so I'm just, I just feel like I have no real vision or direction for my life. And so I thought I'm going to take this pause. And I remember looking at myself thinking, okay, like I cuss like a sailor, you know, I was a big drinker. I was promiscuous. I'm just doing all the things. And, um, you know, my formidable years, you know, when my parents, you know, up till I was 13, you know, was all in church. I mean, we were like, you know, you had a sense of feeling like you're a good person, you're good people. And I had this realization. I couldn't say that about myself. I was thinking, I don't even think I do anything that's good. And what could I do? What is something I began to think, what could I do that would be good? And I thought, well, my grandmother, she depends on other people to take her to church. I could take her to church one Sunday. And so I remember I took her to church. I walked through these church doors that I had not graced. And like, I guess it had been probably seven years because I was six or seven years. And I just remember when I got back into that church building, I'm like, it was like a veil was lifted. It's like, this is totally where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is me. This I'm, Hey, I'm back. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's so fun. (laughs) And I just remembered, you know, so then I just went from one extreme back to the other. I was radically sold out for Jesus. And, um, you know, and then I got married, you know, here's how, here's how the enemy works. So as soon as I'm like back in fellowship with the Lord, uh, I met my, my first husband, who's now my ex-husband and he was a big partier. So, you know, I didn't just immediately stop partying because, you know, we don't clean ourselves up and come to the Lord. He begins to break things off of us, you know, and, and so I'm still kind of partying, but I'm all about Jesus. And, um, it's like the next year we got married, you know, he's, he started like slowing down his partying. 
I'm slowing down mine. We're now going to church together. But it's like we met at the altar that day in May and I kept moving toward the Lord and he went left. <laughs> and so it was 10 years of just a bunch of terrible stuff. But um, we have two beautiful daughters and then um, I'm still serving the Lord. I'm feeling called to serve the Lord, feeling called to minister the word of God. And um, he, um, he finally found somebody else he wanted to be with. And I was then divorced and it's hard to be divorced in the church. And I had something immediately following that, that I felt like the Lord just jerked the rug out from underneath me. I won't go into it because it's just so complex and highly personal, but that was the first time in my life that I ever felt disappointed in the Lord. And it was so painful. I couldn't stand it. I felt like the Lord kept saying, wait, just wait. And I was like, no, you don't understand. If I wait and you, I feel like you fail me at the very end of this wait, I think I will walk away from you forever. I mean, I just could not stand the pain of that. And I thought, you know what? I'm used to being disappointed in Gina Duke. I, or back then I had a different name. I'm not used to being disappointed in you. So I became that prodigal child. Um, like I just reverted back to my college days. Um, I had two daughters, but we, uh, we had already moved back in with my parents because I wasn't making enough money. I wasn't getting consistent child support. So I'd put my girls to bed at eight o'clock at night. My parents are there with them. I'm out partying every night, you know, drinking my sorrows away. If I'm home, I'm up listening to country music videos with a bottle of strawberry wine. You know, I'm just, I'm like, I'm like, what has happened? But you know, just like the prodigal son, when he was eating with the pigs and he's like, oh, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I got like that within about four months. This was only about a four month down. I'm like, I cannot do it anymore. And I just... Um, I went back to Jesus and, but it was slow. It was slow, but, I, but here's the thing. I thought, where else can I go but to the Lord? There is nowhere else. And so over time, he has slowly restored me. Well, it was a slow process to restoring me and helping me to understand, you know, things I didn't understand, you know, over time, I feel like that period of time, like I've got clarity on it. I understand where it, it was never him. Of course it was me. <laughs> He said, wait, I should have waited. <laughs> and so, but that's kind of, I'm sorry, that's a long kind of a winding road to my faith. But, you know, for the past 20 years, I've been steadfast in my faith and God continues to grow my ministry. And, uh, but I, I've been through some more rough patches, just going through menopause right now. Finally <laughs> figured that out and thought I was losing my ever loving mind. And, uh, so, you know, it's me and Jesus again, just me through this, this, uh, oh, it's, it's the worst. It's the worst. Oh, you know what I love though, is that he never leaves us and he doesn't change and we change and we go through these things and it's the ups and the downs and the crazies and this happens and that happens, but he's still there. And you know, it, mm -hmm. it says in the Bible over and over again, his steadfast love. He's there. He's consistent. He shows up. Uh, we go through things, though, that that change this and alter this. <laughs> um, 
it, but he, he doesn't leave us. And so when we have those moments, when we can say we can come back to him, it's mm -hmm. easy to just move back to him yes. and he comes with open doors. And I love that. Yes. I mean, it's kind of like a fun analogy with you going with your grandma, like with the open doors right. of the church, he was there. He was, he was, I, I mean, it was like, it was like, I remember it was in September. So, you know, we're, we're wrapping up September. And you know how like it can still, well, in the South, it's still really hot. And when you go into a church, it's always nice and crisp and cool feeling. And then the walls are white on the inside of this small church. And I just remember just feeling this sense of cleanliness and refreshment. And it was like, why have I been out in this world just running and doing and partying and playing and this nonsense that's gotten me to the point of where I can't even go back to college and finish up right now because I'm so exhausted by it. And just to walk in and go, oh my gosh, like he's living water. I mean, I felt like the woman at the well and he's like, hey, do you need some living water? Do you need some refreshment? And I'm like, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> Pour my, you know, I need my cup to overflow because I needed so much of that. Yes. Yes. And he's there waiting for us to do that mm -hmm. exact thing. Yes. Um, I think it's so cool too your story, how, you know, as you, as you maybe moved away and then you did come back that you had enough knowledge of his peace to know that you could come back. And I think that's something that's really big for a lot of people. It, it's interesting how many people I talk to whose lives kind of did change or get a little upended by, um, leadership or different things with the church kind of changing. And then their parents may be deciding not to go. Mm -hmm. And then they end up kind of lost for a bit. Um, I think for a lot of my gals, you know, they, a lot of them have left religion altogether. And so they've had this change of church and a change of, of kind of what was their grounding. Um, but you always knew to come back because at 10 years old, you felt that peace in some way you felt that peace and there's nothing quite like Jesus's peace. And I think that is just an amazing thing. Well, you know, I think I have always, and I don't know if this is how I'm wired, but I've always had this childlike faith in him. Like I've always known he is a good, good father. I've always known that he loves me, that he's real. I've never wavered in that. And even like when I was in high school, I remember we used to go to this place called Flatbridge and it's just a flat bridge in the road. And we would go after the Friday night football games and we would all sit on the hoods of cars. You know, there's all kinds of activities going on down at Flatbridge. And I remember sitting on the hood of a car and the Lord convicting me of how I was behaving. And I remember telling him like, look, um, when I'm like 30 something, I'll come back to you because I will be bored to death by then. Like I'm negotiating with God and I had no negotiation power, but he was graceful and merciful to me. And I'm like, but right now I just want to have fun. But you know, when I'm closer to 30, let's do this again. And you know, when I got to be about 27 and I felt like the Lord was calling me to ministry. And then I was looking backward at my past going, oh my Lord. Like, how am I going to tell people that I am now ministering the word of God when I have acted like, you know, this, you know, I mean, I was doing all kinds of things. And I remember thinking, God, why didn't you tell me a long time ago, this is going to be the road. I would have done things differently. I would have went to seminary. And he took my mind back to Flatbridge, <laughs> sitting on that hood <laughs> going, you know, I, I tried to tell you. 
but you know, he's a gentleman. And I said, let's talk again later when I'm married and I've got kids and I'm about 30 and I'm bored out of my mind. That's when I'm going to be ready to be serious about you. And you know what? (laughs) He's like, this is what you asked for. (laughs) You know what? It is so funny that you say that. So we had a place called the towers, which is where that was our, our flat bridge. We went to the towers and, um, this is a little known secret. I'm just going to reveal this. This is, uh, I don't know if I want to or not, but we're just being honest here. Yes. I was actually voted biggest partier of my senior superlatives. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So I, I had my moments like that too. And I mm-hmm. did have a talk with God when I was younger. I'm like, you know what? I'm just mm-hmm. going to kind of do my thing for a little while. Mm-hmm. And when I feel like I'm getting closer to maybe a time when I need to, to figure this all out, then, then we'll talk again. Um, and I don't know if that was the best way. Obviously that was not the best way to go about things in my life. And, and he did intercede many times before I got to that point. Um, but I do understand that concept of, you know, when you're young and you're, you are a bit lost and you're trying to find something. And I think a big thing with how I was, and you can speak to this and see if this is the same for you, but I feel like at that time I was trying to fill this hole in my heart because I was a little lost. Um, I was trying to fill this hole in my heart that can only be filled with Jesus. And I I wasn't ready or I wasn't at a place to be able to conceptualize it or to, to understand his grace yet. And so I just filled it with all sorts of other things. Um, and then eventually, you know, he did, like, like you said, he's a gentleman. He doesn't leave us. He is, his love is there and he's ready to talk when you are. <laughs> he, he, he will let you come to the end of yourself to yeah. where you're like, okay, where else can I go now? But to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was definitely like that with me. Um, I just know that I was just, again, just doing all kinds of things and he was patiently waiting for me and so merciful to, you know, keep me safe during that time. And then to, you know, actually even use me as an adult is just amazing after, you know, all the things, but at the same time, those are things that I can use, use to relate to people because, you know, we're not perfect. And, and going back to what you were saying about filling in the, the hole, you know, that I just, in high school and college, you know, I felt like I didn't have a good grip on anything like I, I, I battled depression and, you know, I didn't feel like I, like when I went to college, my friends kind of knew what they wanted to do. I didn't really know. And it was after I came back to the Lord and made him priority, things just started falling into place. My direction, where I ended up with my career, things started making sense. But as long as the God was not you know, the priority in my life, I was flailing. And then I was depressed because I'm flailing. So he was the answer or the key that unlocked the doors to all the things in my future. Absolutely. Was there a moment for you when it all became clear that you needed, that you needed him, that you couldn't do it on your own, that you needed him to help you move forward? Well, I think when I took my grandmother back to church that Sunday and sat through that service and realizing, okay, I'm back home now. Um, And then like, there was like a couple of things that immediately changed. First of all, you know, I cussed like a sailor and I mean, it was really bad. I had no shame in my game, even in mixed company. I'd I'd talk about anything. 
And people that know me now are like, I could never see you doing this, but I'm, I was. And um, he immediately, like the cussing part went away. Like he literally changed my vocabulary. Cause I remember being at a softball game and I had met this girl and she's kind of like a new friend. And I remember saying to her, oh, I met your mother at the bank the other day. She is such a lovely woman. And I remember thinking, lovely woman, like that was not even part of my, like he replaced my cat, my uh, communications and how I spoke. You know, he didn't just take it away. He like gave me a whole new vocabulary. And then I no longer had depression. Like I felt I had purpose. I felt like I, I was getting a clue. And so that was pivotal for me, knowing that, you know, he is, he's, he's the man with the plan for my life. And that's why I think when, um, and then I was just so happy to, to serve him. And when my marriage fell apart, I was actually relieved because it was so bad. It was so, you know, emotionally abusive and just all the things going on there. And I was relieved. So when I felt like, right after that, I'm still trekking with the Lord. And I felt like he jerked the rug out from underneath me. That's why that was so painful because I'm, I'm like, um, I, I just couldn't deal with this pain. Uh, but he was, he was trying to, there were some things he was, was negotiating. And that's the thing that a lot of times we don't understand. We're just so caught up in our own selves and our own lives that we don't realize that he's negotiating a lot of different parts and people that he's just trying to prepare us and get us ready. And so for me, one little thing didn't go as I thought it would when I'm completely misunderstanding, then I'm like, Oh, okay. Like you, you've hurt me so bad. I just can't go on. But the truth was going back into this world and picking up those old ways well, in four months, I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. You know, okay, God, where else can I go <laughs> to you? And so over time, like he worked everything out so beautifully. Um, I don't even deserve it. And, but that's, that's the kind of, you know, he's a good, good father. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of work right now, uh, kind of diving into relationship versus religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and religion is biblical and it has a beautiful meaning in James. Um, but the way that our culture has kind of absorbed the word religion is meant to be more legalistic and more, these are the rules and the laws. And, and I think that a lot of people who have left a more serious religion where they're at a place where, um, they, they don't cuss because it's against the rules. They don't drink because it's against the rules. Um, it's so interesting. And and I love to hear you say that it wasn't because of a church that that happened, that these things changed in your life because of the relationship that you developed with, with the Lord. And he, he's the one who forms the relationship. It's just up to us to, he he extends the hand. It's up to us to grab it, you know? Um, but because of that, that's what transforms us. And that's where all of the good things and all the good works and all the good stuff that we do, it's not because it's a rule, but it's because he transforms us. And so I love to hear you say that, um, that that's, that was your experience. It was mine too. Yeah, he does. And, you know, and I will say the last few years, I have really feel like I've been being set free some from some of these legal, legalistic things that mm-hmm. a lot of times as Christians, we get caught up in. 
And um, so, you know, for me, like, obviously, so for, for my language, um, I do like to keep it clean, you know, just because, and I'm not saying at home, <laughs> perfect, <to> like, <laughs> uh, but I will say for like, I do see people in ministry that will use profanity. And I, I dislike that. And the reason I do dislike it is because if you remember when Peter was trying to convince people that he was not with Jesus, that's what he did. He started cursing. And that does, it throws people off. Like, you know, and in the book of James, it says that, you know, we, if we can control our tongue, now this is key. If we can control our tongue, then we can bring our whole body under subjection. So when I start feeling like out of sorts, I focus on my mouth. And if I can just hold my tongue and then I just start feeling much more in control or more spirit, you know, controlled, uh, then when I'm just letting my words fly and, and, um, you know, whether that's anger, whether it's cursing, but even like food, I mean, that's my big struggle right now. Um, you and I were on a Zoom call earlier today and I was eating, I was drinking a McDonald's Diet Coke and eating two Pop-Tarts. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> I know better. Like I would eat like a teenager every day. And so it's like, you know, if I want to really have my whole body under subjection, you know, and feeling again, spirit controlled, not in a legalistic way, checking boxes, but I want to feel spirit controlled so I can feel spirit led. But, um, but there's a lot of things that I just don't get upset about with people. I'm not judgy with people, uh, but maybe in the past I had been where I'm like, you know what, if it's not essential, I, I I'm, I'm, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I just don't care. And, um, I feel very freed by that. And I love that you use the word freed, because I do think that when you're walking in alignment with Jesus and you, mm -hmm. you understand grace, it is freeing. Yeah. And it's almost opposite of what you would think you'd be, you would think like, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this. So I'm not free, but no, when you understand Jesus's mm -hmm. love and that grace, when you are able to surrender and put it all down, it, it's wild how uh, good things come from that in, in such a, a peaceful alignment type of way that you're walking with him. I think Absolutely. that's awesome. Absolutely. So, uh, I wanted to ask you to, um, moving forward with where you've been, how has God worked within your life over the last few years? And what have you seen from, from walking in alignment with him? Well, I, um, like I said, back when I turned 27 and this was in 94, I felt called to minister the word of God. And I didn't tell anybody because I did not know any woman who was ministering the word of God other than Joyce Meyer. She was my only point of reference. And then uh, a couple of years later, I ran into uh, Beth Moore, who was teaching Bible studies. So I began to see where God was beginning to use women to minister the word of God, because, you know, um, cause I could only think about preaching. I mean, that was the only thing like in, and, um, you know, my grandmother felt called to preach and that was the word that she used. Um, but I didn't know this. And I remember she lived in a trailer. We lived on my grandparents, my mother's family's farm. 
at the Kentucky Tennessee state line. It was a large farm. And um, my dad's mother lived in a trailer in our backyard. And she like, going to her house was like going to church. She'd get up on Sundays and help the preacher preach. And so she felt called to minister to preach. She really felt called to preach. That was it. Because that was her only point of reference because she's wanting to share the word of God. And, um, but she had nine kids. She didn't know how to drive. She didn't know how she's going to do it. And I didn't realize this. I just knew she loved talking about Jesus. And one night, I, I remembered this night because it was dark outside. She comes pounding on our back door, frantic. Now, my mother said it was like early morning. So I guess as soon as she saw that the lights were on, she comes, she's banging on the door. They open the door. I remember standing there because we were like, she was pounding, like something was wrong. And she told my daddy, she said, James, the Lord is going to call you to preach. And he said, now, mama, the Lord's not calling me to preach. You're not calling me to preach. You know, they calmed her down, sent her back home. But, you know, I realized later after my, one of my aunts was given a testimony about how, you know, God was using me in ministry and stuff. And she's like, you know, her mother, which was my grandmother, always felt called to preach. And she felt she couldn't because of all these reasons, but she always prayed that the Lord would take her mantle and pass that down to one of her children. And so I realized when I'm driving home from church that day, I was like, oh my gosh, when she came to my house, when I was little, she thought it was my daddy, but it was me. It's like, no, this mantle is being passed down. You know, it's, it's falling to the house of James, <laughs> my dad. And it's really me. And I'm like, I mean, I had been called from when, when I was a child. And that is so funny to me because, you know, when I was telling you, I'm sitting on this car in Flatbridge. Like one of the reasons I was pushing back on the Lord, I was scared to death. He was going to make me marry a preacher. But no, he was calling me to minister the word of God. He was calling me to preach the word. He's like, no, you don't need a man for what I'm going to do with you. <laughs> but I would, I just remember thinking, oh my, no, I'm not going to get stuck with a preacher. That, that would be the most boring thing <laughs> I could ever think of. And now I think ministry is the most exciting thing. And so years later, he gave me a book idea and about structured prayer journaling. And that was uh, published in 2013. It went on to win the best book award in Christian retailing. Um, it's called Organizing Your Prayer Closet. It has nothing to do with organizing prayer rooms. It's about, it's got a structured prayer journal. And so, um, and then I began speaking and whatnot. But then I left ministry in 2015 because uh, my younger daughter, um, we, we had two daughters and they're five years apart and one we'd already paid to put through college. And now it was time to put the other through college. And, um, my husband had this rule. They had to go to community college for a couple of years. And if they did well, they could go to a university and we'd pay for everything. My younger daughter did not do well enough to, to do that. But I was like, no. She has to go to university. We sent the other one. You know, I might jeopardize her whole future. Like, no. And so I left ministry, went back into work. Oh, I got chastised over that. The Lord's like, you were not submissive to your husband on that um, because he had set the rule. You overrode that, you know, and now you've abandoned me in the ministry that I was giving you. 
And so I just, I crashed and burned last year. And I just feel like I have to come back, you know, to this ministry full time. It is something I love to do. And our children, our college is paid for, you know, we're in a position to do that. And so now I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to really be obedient to the Lord and, uh, you know, reach women for Jesus. And, and that's what I love to do. I love to help Christian women grow in faith in order and an influence in their leadership roles. Because my background is I was a human resources executive. And uh, so I love taking all that and coaching women and getting them back on track. You know, I wish I had someone like that when I was young that I could be a go-to, you know, that I could go to and ask questions and get a plan. And so that's really what I love to do. Not everyone loves coaching, but I, I do love it. Love that. So where can people find you if they're wanting to come find you and come work with you? Oh, okay. Well, my website is GinaDuke.com and my name is spelled G-I-N-A and the last name is D-U-K-E, like Duke University. And there's no S at the end. It's not Duke's. It's GinaDuke.com. And I'm in the process of upgrading my website. So what you see now is from back years ago when I was solely pretty much doing women's ministry. Um, I was a director of women's ministry for a time at my church and, um, and doing the uh, prayer closet organizer, the structured prayer journaling, but I'm moving more into coaching and creating courses and helping women again, grow in their faith order and influence in their leadership roles. I'm also on Instagram at the Gina Duke. If you want to see my structured prayer journals, cause I like to junk them up. And I think that probably says something about how my mind works. Like it's like, I want order in my prayer life. It's structured, but I'm going to junk it up to make it fun. Cause it's, you know, it's a little bit of my personality. <laughs> um, but those are probably two of the main places that you can reach me. And then I have a podcast called the Gina Duke show. And I do a faith episode and then I'll do one week in an order about having order in your life, order in your home, order in your mind. Um, and then I'll do an influence episode because I believe we're all to be influencers and thought leaders as Christian female leaders. And, um, and then my second, like I'll do a major segment episode on one of those three topics. And then at the end of the week on Thursdays, I do a mini planning session because I want to walk with women through the calendar year, helping them stay on track with things that are important because women who are working and are professionals, we get busy and then all of a sudden things pop up in our life and we're not prepared and we don't enjoy life. And I, I want to help women enjoy life. So it's kind of like a little freebie mini planning session. It's like a concierge service. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Gina, for coming and sharing with all of us today, your story and how you've come to the Lord and how he's working within your life. I really appreciate you being here and good luck with everything. I'm, I'm happy to see where he's taking you right now. Thank you, Shelby. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. I am so honored that you showed up today to listen to this little podcast of mine where we talk about big things. If you want to comment, share, laugh, or cry about what we talked about today, then come on over and join the Facebook group where we have a safe space that you can share it all. Because we kind of need people in this big old world. People that understand. And if you are like, heck yeah, that was awesome. Where can I get more? First, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And then hurry on over to FindingFaithAbove.com where you will find so much goodness all created just for you. Because I love you. I've been where you're at, 
and I want to help you to have all the hope and none of the lost. Resources, art, Bible studies, it's all there just for you. FindingFaithAbove.com. I'll see you next time.